Hi, I'm Pat Kelly. And I'm Peter Oldring, and we're the hosts of This Is That. Are you kidding? For over a decade, we were radio's go-to source for completely fabricated news. You must be joking me. And now, we're back in podcast form. We've selected some of our favorite stories from over the years and put them in one convenient location. Sugar in the tap water. Bilingual dog park. Charging to see wildlife. This Is That, coming soon on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hello and welcome to Laugh Out Loud. I'm your host, Ali Hassan. While the nights are getting cooler, leaves are changing color, and everyone around me seems to have some kind of a cough. What a great time to be alive. And what better way to drown out those hacking noises than with some wonderful comedy in your ears. We start today's show with one of the West Coast's absolute favorites and one of our favorites. He's a professor, a voice actor, an author many times over, and a terrific comedian. From Victoria, B.C., here is Charlie Demers. Thank you. What a night. What a night, everybody. My mother-in-law is here tonight, everyone. My mother-in-law... My mother-in-law came to the show. And I want to be clear, my mother-in-law doesn't live in Victoria. My mother-in-law came with me on the ferry from Vancouver just so she could be at this show. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that wonderful? But that is how much she loves Ali Hassan. And... We are, no, she has, she has always been that supportive of my stand-up. And, I, and I have to, I, I'm a very lucky man, and I never forget that. And, uh, and if I ever did forget that, uh, my wife would remind me. Uh, as she did two days ago when we were finalizing the uh, ferry tickets uh, to come over, my wife uh, said to me, unbidden, uh, she said, quote, you know, not every Chinese mum would be this supportive of their white son-in-law's career as a stand-up comedian. There's a lot going on there. End quote. And that's true. I mean, I, you know, I, I did not take that too much to heart because that is... Uh, I, many of you will know, of course, that in Chinese culture, uh, prosperity and good fortune and good luck are uh, represented uh, by the number eight. Uh, but what uh, a lot of people don't know is that uh, actually uh, the opposite, misfortune, uh, bad luck, is uh, symbolized uh, by marrying a white comedian. Uh, my, uh, both my in-laws were born and raised in, uh, in Hong Kong, and uh, my father is from Quebec. And when you're in a romantic relationship with two cultures of origin that are so remote from each other, you like to, you like to flatter yourself that, that your love is the first time those cultures have touched. Uh, especially in the story of, like, of your family's uh, lives. But it's not true. I actually only recently found out from my mother-in-law that... So she grew up in Hong Kong when it was still a British colony, uh, much like this city still is. And... <laughs> she was growing up in, in Hong Kong when it was a British colony, and, and so the school that she went to for like the European part of her education, like the school she went to to like learn English, it was run by a group of nuns 
from Quebec. Isn't that wild? Like when she first told me that story, the, the first thought I had was, isn't that like kind of incredible that as a child, she would have this foretaste of this tiny, exotic little culture from all the way on the other side of the planet that her own future daughter would one day marry into. That's wild, right? My second thought was, what were French-Canadian nuns doing teaching English to anyone. <laughs> How did that? Whose idea? Like, talk about lying on your resume. Uh, and just hoping nobody phones the references. Yes, this all appears to be in order. Thank you very much. Now, Sister Mary Etienne, it says here that you yourself learned English at an institution called École Sacré-Cœur. Is that correct? <laughs> So that was my first thought, and that was my second thought. My third thought was just like a crushing sense of disappointment that I had missed the historical window where I could have met any of these adorable children from Hong Kong who had learned English from Quebecois nuns. <laughs> Do you understand how wild... You have to try and imagine it. Like, put yourself... In, it's 1960. You're in Hong Kong. You've just met an adorable, beautiful little Chinese girl. It's my future mother-in-law. She's beaming because she just found out you speak English. And she goes, Hey, you speak English? <laughs> I speak English too. Yeah. No, no, no. Sister Marie Claude taught me everything she learned about English growing up in Chicoutimi. <laughs> Bon ben, uh, welcome to Hong Kong, and uh... bon voyage, bon retour, uh... bon appétit. I hope you enjoy the food. And uh, listen, if you enjoyed dim sum, don't uh, forget that we have dim sum a tabarnak. Okay. Uh... <laughs> I've always gotten along with my in-laws. We, uh, the the, uh, all of us, we went out for dinner last week. We went to an Italian restaurant. And I got a pizza with uh, what is now my favorite pizza topping, which is anchovies. I don't know if anyone here has ever had anchovies on a pizza. If you haven't, I'd suggest you get on it. Anchovies on a pizza are just fantastic. If you've never had them, so an anchovy is just, it's just a salty, oily little fish. So it's perfect for what's going on on a pizza. It's, it's just, it's like God's pepperoni, right? And I am ashamed to say that I went almost all my life until now, I was probably close to 40 years old before I ever had anchovies on a pizza, because I grew up in the 1980s and 1990s. So I am part of what uh, demographers call the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle generation. And if you remember, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles loved pizza, but they hated anchovies. They just hated, ah, anchovies, get them out of here. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles hated two things. They hated shredder and anchovies. Uh, doesn't even make sense. They're turtles. Anchovies are the one pizza topping they would possibly encounter in the wild. 
But they hated anchovies, and so I hated anchovies because I loved them. And so my whole life, I said, no way, anchovies, get them out of here. I'm never eating pizza with anchovies. And I've only recently pieced together that this is a cultural phenomenon that must have been happening at least across North America, right? Which I also realize must have led to the total collapse of multiple southern Italian fishing communities <laughs> who not only would have had no context whatsoever for what had happened to destroy overnight their centuries-old way of life, but in fact, the more you tried to explain it to them, the less they would have understood. <laughs> like, just imagine if one of those old guys had figured out what had happened. How would he share that information? How would you get it out there? You get two old guys, hey, hey, Colangelo, how come nobody want to buy anchovies in the more? Oh, Giuseppe, it's because of the ninjas. <laughs> hey, Colangelo, what do you mean it's because of the ninjas? I see, Giuseppe, see, the ninjas, the teenagers ninjas. The tartarughe, all'America, a New York, I didn't like eating anchovy and a pizza. Hey, Colangelo! Hey, so what are these ninjas, these tartarughe, they don't want to eat anchovy and a pizza. So, hey, hey, they don't want to eat anchovy. Everybody else is still going to eat anchovy and a pizza, no? Oh, Giuseppe! This part goes on for about 20 minutes. <laughs> Oh, Giuseppe, no. Tutte le bambine del mondo, all the children of the world, and they love the ninjas, they love the tarattughe. They say, I want to be like the teenager ninjas when I grow up. I'm never going to eat anchovy in a pizza because they don't want to eat anchovy in a pizza and nobody's going to eat anchovy in a pizza no more. Hey, Colangelo. Who? You telling me who? These ninjas, they hate the Italy so much. What is the name? It's Leonardo, Michelangelo, and Donatello, Raphael. An interesting thing about that joke is that you've just heard me screaming, right, in, in, an, in an accent that is not mine, and I have no claim to, and yet you're going, hey, I'm not offended. What happened? <laughs> and there is a reason. I can, I can posit a sociological, I think, explanation for, for why you're not offended. So you know that I'm not Italian, but I have already explained at this point that I am French-Canadian, right? So it's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you understand? I'm not... I'm not in any way saying, oh, you know, this is the same, but it's just, uh, we, uh, the Italians and the Quebecois, we, uh, they're symmetrically off-white. Uh, the important thing is there's, there's no punching down in that joke, right? No, that if anything, there's just like bilateral hand gesticulation. Uh, so I was thinking about Jesus, and I was thinking about the fact that whatever your faith perspective, whatever kind of, just, uh, just as a matter of historical kind of objective uh, uh, fact, Jesus 
is just the most uh, beloved um, human who's ever lived, right? And, and, and not only is he way out ahead, like number two, there's not even a close number two. And many of you right now, you're thinking, come on, Charlie, you're forgetting there's other religions, right? But that's exactly precisely why I'm making the point. Because so everybody knows Christianity is a whole religion built around Jesus, right? But what some people don't know is that in Islam, Jesus is also on as a prophet, right? Jesus is, is the prophet. Uh, Isa is how you say Jesus in, in Arabic, but it's the same guy. His, Isa is born to Maryam and Yusuf, and, and Isa is a very important prophet in Islam, right? He's the last prophet before Muhammad, and he'll come back uh, on Judgment Day with the Mahdi at the end of touch. So it's like, a, like, if that's how they're talking about you in, like, your backup religion... <laughs> It's pretty good. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, that, that's, that's like, you know, that, that's to two billion, like if you, if you were at a debate between a Muslim cleric and a Christian cleric, you, you could be, the, the, the Christian cleric could say, uh, Jesus of Nazareth was the perfect revelation of God within creation and will return uh, at the last day to judge all of human history. And the Muslim would say, don't be ridiculous. Jesus it was an honored prophet of God who will return on the last day to judge all of human history. <laughs> you know, that's like, you know, those are pretty good stats. <laughs> I'd be like if I told you all tonight that, oh, by the way, uh, Buddha, also huge with Jews. Uh, I mean, there is kind of, you gotta say, like a bit of a Yiddish flavor to some of the noble truths. Uh, Existence is suffering. Uh, uh, but not here at this club. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, you've been wonderful. Uh, good night, everybody. From Heckler's Comedy Club in Victoria, B.C., that was Charlie Demers. Please do yourself a solid and head to charliedemers.com where you can pick up his latest album. I hope I don't remember this my whole life with 604 Records. All right, friends and fans in Toronto, Accent on Toronto is less than a month away and tickets are over half sold out. We will be at the Danforth Music Hall on Wednesday, October 11th. I'll be hosting the show and we have a phenomenal lineup that includes Deborah Kimmett, John Steinberg, Arthur Simeon, and more. Head to our website, cbc.ca slash laughoutloud to reserve your seats as soon as possible. Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced The Vinyl Cafe with the late, great Stuart McLean. Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of The Vinyl Cafe with our new podcast, Backstage at The Vinyl Cafe. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart, and for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. And speaking of accent on Toronto, this next performer has graced the Danforth stage as both a comedian and a musical guest many times. From the 905 Comedy Festival, here is George Westerholm. Hello! Yeah, this is great. I'm so happy to be here. Oshawa, the fall, it's lovely. You know what I enjoy? I enjoy when people say, the fall is my favorite season. 
You know, you heard this, people say this, the fall is my favorite. And I think when they say that, what they mean is the kind of the Bob Ross, the colors of the fall. You know, the part of the fall that lasts 72 hours in a three-month season. You know that part of the fall? I think that's what they mean. I don't think when they say, oh, my favorite season is the fall, they mean specifically the last week of November. I don't think they mean that. But I'll tell you this, fall is not all bad news. Apple cider, hey, have you had your apple cider yet? I see some nods. This is your time to get your apple cider. To me, Apple juice is the only juice that you can heat up and people find that acceptable. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care how open-minded your fall fest is. If you've boiled up orange juice, you will not be invited on the hayride. It's not gonna happen. People will, listen, steamy orange, okay? Wagon's full. You, you just take that pot of Tropicana off the stove and maybe we'll talk. Apple cider is a, a seasonal drink. They call it a seasonal drink, like, like eggnog. Eggnog is a seasonal drink. Uh, you know what my favorite seasonal drink is? Bourbon. <laughs> what season? Pick a season. It's good for all of them. Oh, I love it. Happy Blankuary. Blah, blah, blah. Enjoy December the 25th shot. I will. Thank you. I know, but I, I think like a lot of people, I was drinking way too much over the pandemic. I had to take a break. I quit drinking for five weeks, and I found I had more energy, and I found I didn't need more energy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't need bonus energy when you're not drinking. There's nothing to do. I'll tell you when you need bonus energy, when you're drinking. You know how hard it is to wake up in the morning? It's really tough. But I'm back to drinking now. Back to drinking now. Back to treating my liver like an employee in a Chinese iPhone factory. Yeah. The conditions are terrible. You will be beaten. Now get to work, youngster. Uh, I used to be young, I used to be young, you might not believe this, but I used to be young and I would occasionally I'd get mistaken for famous people. Like people would come up and they go, are you Jim Cuddy? Or sometimes I'd say, hey, you look like David Byrne. But see, the thing is, now that I'm older, now all I get is, are you the guy that works at Long and McQuaid Rentals? doesn't seem great. <laughs> I know. You know, I've reached an age where if I show up at your apartment door as a strippogram, you'd say, why is the super taking off his clothes? Can he just fix the sink? Now I see you, you're looking at me, and I know you're thinking, I see George, I see the stage, but does his career really exist? Well, the answer may surprise you. The answer is yes, and I can prove it with a simple equation. You take slope, and you multiply it by more slope, and that's my career, mathematically proven, right there. All downhill. All downhill, exactly. Thank you, my interpreter. Excellent. I appreciate that. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, stick with me. I'm going to need you. Ha, 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 ha.
Yeah, no, I was, I was, I, in high school, I was voted most likely to buy everything he owns used. I have fulfilled my destiny. I am here to say dreams can come true. Uh, I'm a Libra. And uh, I was, oh, yeah, you see, that's a typical Libra response right there. <laughs> Just, no, no, that's not Libra. Libra, yeah, balance. No, that doesn't happen. It's more like this lady. Just, yes, Libra. <laughs> yeah, I was, I'm a Libra. I was born in Quebec. Vive la, yeah, vive la Quebec Libra. All right. I was, uh, not to get political, but, um, yeah, I was, uh, I was uh, born in Montreal, born in Montreal, a city that because of its size was immortalized in the poem, Trick or Treat, Smell My Feet. <laughs> Hectare-wise, if you recall, it's not too big and not too small. But uh, when I was uh, very young, uh, my parents moved us to Toronto. Why? Because my parents said, well, we can't spank him. So, uh... <laughs> We'll just punish him by him growing up in Toronto. I should have behaved. I should have behaved. Uh, Westerholm is my last name. Westerholm is a Scandinavian name. And uh, I love Scandinavians. Scandinavians are great. Because, like, so for hundreds of years, they went around the world looting and pillaging. And now they make Volvos. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the safest car in the world. That's quite a turnaround for a people when you think about it, right? Just like at a certain point in their history, somebody just stood up and said, Sven, put down the axe. It's all airbags now. <laughs> huh? <laughs> yes, stop with the bludgeoning. Help me with the seatbelt. Oh, and you know what else? Remember we used to burst into people's villages and smash all their furniture? Well, now we're going to give them affordable furniture and little meatballs, cute little meatballs. <laughs> We're going to Ikea our way out of this karmic nightmare that we found ourselves in. I'm glad you've come out tonight. This is great because it's hard to get motivated in the fall, right? All you want to do is hibernate. All you want to do is sleep. And I look at these mattress commercials on TV and I don't understand them. They show these people in bed smiling. And it's like, who goes to bed smiling? Do you reflect on no aspects of your day at all? Am I the only one that, where's the sadness and regret part of holding onto the bed sheet, terrified? Where's that in the mattress commercial? I love these, these companies, they say, hey, buy this mattress, get a good night's sleep. Oh, I think it's gonna take more than a mattress, I think. It's a mattress. It's not a magic going back in time and fixing everything machine. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't understand stuff. I mean, here's another thing. I go to uh, a Formula One race. I went to a Formula One race, and there were all these beautiful women hanging around the track. And I thought to myself, women find race car drivers attractive. They find race car drivers sexy, and this is not true. Not at all, and I know this for a fact. Because I've been driving around with a helmet on for months. <laughs> and I have not got a single date. Here's another thing. Race car drivers, when they win, they open a bottle of champagne and it sprays all over them. How come when I smell a booze, 
nobody thinks, did he just come from the winner's circle? You might get a promotion at work, right? And your friends, maybe to celebrate, they take you out for drinks afterwards. How come when I smell of booze, nobody thinks, his career's really advancing? These are questions I have. I don't know the answers to them. I'm gonna play some music for you. You wanna hear a song? All right. I just got back from a tour of the American Midwest. Well, I was busking in front of a Montana's, but... Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes people will come up to me and they'll say, hey, what's your favorite kind of music? And I say, walkway. It's between house and garage. <laughs> I'll play a, play a ballad for you. Ballads are based on true stories, and here's one. I was a young comic back in the day I had a pretty hot act I guess you could say I played bars and clubs right across the nation Thought back then that the world was mine That my arse blazed out sunshine With the right break I'd be the next big sensation And then one night the stars aligned, I was out at the Rivoli, and it blew my mind. A big wig had come down to see my show. It was the night Lorne Michaels watched me bomb. It was the night Lorne Michaels watched me bomb. And not just a little bit. I ate bags so bad I embarrassed generations before my dad The night Lorne Michaels watched me bomb Yeah, the club cleared out pretty quickly that night Except for a couple of my friends who stuck around to point out where Lorne Michaels sat when he watched me bomb Yeah, because that's what good friends do they realize you're at the lowest point ever in your life, and then they provide additional details so that you can remember it more vividly. And I tell you, that night really hurt. But you know what? I promised myself that I wouldn't let it stop me, that I'd work harder than ever and get better than ever. And that's what I did. I started playing shows wherever I could, for free, for five, 10 people, didn't matter. I played them all. And you know what happened? I got pretty good. Before I knew it, I was playing for free for 10 to 12 people. <laughs> Fast forward to today, I regularly play for free for over 12 people. That's what happens when you believe in yourself. I learned a valuable lesson that night. Now every day I focus on getting better. And every night when I turn up the light to go to sleep, I want to punch myself in the face! <laughs> Cause of the night Lorne Michaels watched me bomb. I had other... 
your chances and I blew those too. That's why I'm playing here tonight just for you. The night Lord Michaels watched me bomb. He watched me bomb. Thank you. That's a sweet song, but uh, you can feel his pain. From the stage in Oshawa, Ontario, that was George Westerholm. And you can find more of his music and comedy at georgewesterholm.com. And that is our show. My thanks today to Heckler's Comedy Club, the 905 Comedy Festival, and sound engineers Doug Doctor, Kyle Kudasevich, Corey Haberstock, and Jared Hillel. And a special thanks to my producer, Lee Pitts. Thank you for listening. I'm Ali Hassan. I'll see you back here real soon. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.